0: That when Jesus invited people to join him in his journey of faith while he was here on earth, he said, come and see. Because it is only when you see for yourself and experience something that you will get to understand what Jesus is talking about. And for us, the same thing about community. To come and see is the same way that you would understand Christian community is only by experiencing it for yourself. And so we're starting this series that we've called Come and See. And the C represents community. And that's an invitation that Jesus comes, uh, came and invites us all to join him in. So before I go into the word, let me pray for us so that we prepare our hearts for the message to come. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time. I ask for your blessing with your presence. I ask that you help each person here to to know to see to hear to feel what is you want us to experience so i thank you in the name of jesus amen uh ever so often i go get my haircut in berkeley and uh, what i like to do uh, whenever i patronize certain businesses is just a way to live out my faith and that's to share who i am as a follower of jesus christ so whoever i run into in the streets in my practice or when I patronize businesses, I like to be able to find opportunities to share the good news of Jesus. And so this past week, I went to get my haircut as usual in Berkeley. And there's a, my stylist, a woman that I'm getting to know. I kind of like to uh, gradually share about Jesus to her. Now, she's uh, from Cambodia originally, and she works really hard because she just bought this um, haircut salon. And so to pay back the loans for the money that she borrowed, she has to work seven days a week. I mean that's really hard to not really have any time off. And and I'm kinda of encouraging her to, to find some time to take off for herself. Now this concept of Sabbath, just to take a day of rest. Because as I learn to get to know her, she's losing a lot of joy in life that she's constantly striving to work. So this past week, when, when I went there, she usually asked me the question, so what's up in your life? And so I just so happened to come back from my own Sabbath. I, the last weekend, I wasn't here, but I actually vacationed down in San Diego, and I went fishing. I went tuna fishing with a bunch of guys here in the church, a few of us went down, and we went tuna fishing out of San Diego. And I think actually, well, I showed her a picture, and I'll show you the picture of the fish that I, the tuna I caught. Do we have that? There it is. All right, that's a 65-pound bluefin tuna. So it actually is really tasty. Um, we had sashimi immediately that evening after we caught it. But it took me two hours to reel that fish in. And my body suffered this whole week because of that experience. (laughs) But it was was a a memorable time. But I shared that that picture with my hairstylist, and she said to me immediately, Calvin, you have a good life. I wish I had your life. Now, when she said that to me, I felt a little awkward because how do you respond to that without sounding too too proud or arrogant and so I thought and I paused and I just simply said well for sure God has blessed me with a good life but my real intent which I've been sh- trying to share with him which I did moments after that about the importance of having community with Jesus Christ that a good life is not from all the exterior things that happen that seem to be good but something internal that happens to us when we have community with Jesus. And so that was something I wanted to impress with her, that that a good life, counter to what the world sees, is based on a community of faith, that life together in a Christian community is good and even better when it's in small groups. And, And I share this because... There's this trend in America, especially in American church, that church attendance is declining. That people's lives being fragmented and disorganized are finding themselves too busy to go to church. And I feel this is something that's contributing to the downward trend of the spiritual nature of, of America. And so what I'm trying to impress upon us all today That Christian community is something that we desperately need. That God intended us to regularly meet together in community. And that to counter the trend that that today in our modern society, which seems to have come to this acceptance, that we can a la carte our Christian experience. That it's okay to to just go to church ever so often. That we can... um, supplement our experience by going to different places, that we can actually, in this modern technology, use the internet to have virtual community. But I believe this is so counter to what God intended us to do. That when we come together in the same place, at the same time, with the same people, something supernatural happens that cannot be experienced any other way. And today, this morning, I'm going to talk about what happens when Christians come together in community, come together at the same time, the same place, with the same people that leads to a good life. And those three things is that there will be spiritual growth, there will be character growth, and inevitably numerical growth. When there is spiritual growth, it happens when there is a learning environment and there is a worship experience. There's character growth in family time and when social action happens within that community. And then there's numerical growth because that kind of community, that kind of picture and experience of community is contagious. And for us, God has given us that model He has given it to us in the Bible, in the book of Acts, in chapter 2, verses 42-47. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and follow along as I read it for you. If not, I'm sure it's going to be projected on the screen behind me. So from Acts 2, verses 42-47, to this is the ideal model of what it means to be a Christian community. So starting in verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship Daily, those who are being saved. And that's the word of the Lord. The first thing that, that strikes me when you look at that passage, in verse 42, the word devoted. I mean, there are not very many things in life that we would consider ourselves, that we would uh, devote ourselves to. To devote means to, to dedicate, to commit, to be faithful. So for these church, uh, early church Believers, these early disciples, they devoted themselves to something. And the scripture tells us that they devoted to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. And, and that's a very strong word for me to, to devote. And, and in, in the context of this, you have to realize this is the early church. Do you realize what just happened prior to this passage? It's the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came down. The promise that Jesus said that he would give us a counselor, a helper. And that is the person of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit just came down and indwelled into the early first believers. And this is a significant. So these are all newbies in the faith. And they're, they didn't know anything. And they needed to be taught what it meant to be a Christian. And so they devoted themselves with enthusiasm to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Where have you heard those things before? Teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread, which is communion, and prayer. Worship service on Sundays for us at CLC those four things happen today and every Sunday here at Christian Layman. And that's foundational to what it means to be a church community, that those four things happen. And in the context of Acts 2, that's what was foundational for the new believers, that they would learn about their faith, to learn about God through the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship with one another, to learn what it means to be in, in community together, to learn about what Jesus did on the cross through the breaking of bread and communion, and to experience prayer, which happens during our service and even after our service. So that's, that is an example of what Christian community is like, to have those four things. And, and that is a sign of a learning community that we are learning about God through teaching, we learn through fellowship among ourselves, that we learn about Jesus through communion, breaking of bread, and we learn about the power of God through prayer. And the second thing, that spiritual growth happens in community, not only from this learning environment, but spiritual growth happens when there is worship. And, And in this text, we have multiple examples of 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 worship. And the first one I see is that from verse forty three, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Signs and wonders, which are essentially miracles, that only happens when God is present. When God is acting, then signs and wonders happen. And those are things that can we can experience when a community of his believers, of God's believers are together, God will perform signs and wonders and miracles. And experiencing God, whenever it happens, whether it's personally with you sitting in your pew or in a group discussion later in fellowship, whenever there's an encounter with God, inevitably you should feel awe. When you come into the presence of God and you feel awe, That is evidence of God's presence. And so that's actually a challenge for me. In your lives, if you're not experiencing awe, when you are in the presence of God, then something is a little bit off, a little bit off kilter. Other signs and evidence of worship by this community. In verse 46, It says, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They broke bread. Breaking bread is essentially communion, the Lord's Supper. And that's something that we celebrate uh, regularly, once a month here. And it's uh, an ordinance or what's called a sacrament that that we celebrate in obedience to Jesus' instructions to us. To remember him through the breaking of bread. And a little bit later in our service, we actually will have communion. And we will do, do exactly what Jesus instructed us to do. And in verse 47, the scripture tells us that, they were, that these believers, these new believers, were praising God. And that's another act of worship, to praise God. And it's something I feel that probably a lot of us, myself included, don't do enough of. That God loves to hear his name praised whether it's here on Sundays or in the public with a hairstylist. It is at those times that God cherishes those moments when we can praise his name. God loves to hear his name praised, and we do that here on Sundays, whether we do it through our prayers, but definitely we do it through our song and singing. Community leads to spiritual growth. And then community, Christian community, when we have life together, leads to character growth. And that happens when we are in community. When we are in community, it's difficult, right, to, to sometimes interact with other people. Community means we are with other people. And a lot of us are kind of different, and those differences can kind of irk other people. But when we try to be in community, we try to overcome those kind of differences that are among us, and that builds character. And a lot of times, overcoming those differences that we have between ourselves can only come through a transformation through the Holy Spirit that Jesus Christ gave to us. Only through the power of God sometimes we can get along because in our diversity, it's very easy to want to split up to go our separate way, to do our own thing. But to be a Christian community, God intends us to be united, to be in harmony with one another, in spite of the diversity. When we spend time together, inevitable differences among us will come in the way of relationships. Conflict happens. It's inevitable. But character is developed when we learn to have community with others that are different from us. And out of diversity, engaging in the process to find and create things in common, leads to community. So I'm going to repeat that. Out of diversity, engaging in the process to find and create things in common, creates community. It's kind of a, if I could give you a kind of an analogy, the Tumblr reflect, effect, you know, when you have a bunch of rough stones you throw them into this device that kind of tumbles the stones they rotate around in a drum and those rough stones kind of rub up against each other and all those sharp edges and rough surfaces begin to smooth themselves out and those rocks eventually become very shiny and smooth and that's the tumbler effect and that's what Christian community is intended to do too is that with all our roughness, all our sharp edges, when we force ourselves to come together into community, into a grouping, then that roughness will begin to wear off and everything will begin shiny and smooth. But there's a lot of work that has to go through to do that, a lot of hardship, sometimes some pain and suffering for us to rub up against each other. But that's what we do if we are devoted to having Christian community. And this happens when in what I call family time. Character building, character growth happens in what I call family time. And that's just Christians, believers, hanging out together. When you spend time together, whether it's here at a fellowship hall, uh, after service, or in your homes, or at restaurants, uh, at, at your neighborhoods, or your schools, wherever, when you gather together, you're having family time. And we see this in this passage. In verses 42, in verses 46 and 46. In verse 42, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. In verse 44, it says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. And in verse 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with, with glad and sincere hearts. So in verses 44 and 46, The word together is said three times. And togetherness is implied in the word fellowship in verse 42. So the key word that I see in verse 44 is the word common. In verse 44 it says, All the believers were together and had everything in common. Well, the word community, what we're talking about today, what we're talking about in this entire series, community, The root word for community is the word common. Community means a group of people who share things in common. And and, and some definitions say a community is built on shared uh, possessions, a shared place, or a shared purpose. So those are often ways that communities are, are joined together, is either having a common place, because when you meet together, you have a common place. When you share things among yourselves, your possessions, uh, then that's community. And then also having a common purpose or a mission brings you together as a community. A pastor who is a preacher and author, Andy Stanley, he's a p- preacher and a pastor at North Point Community church in Atlanta, Georgia, he says this, you need community, and somebody in community needs you. You need community, and somebody in community needs you. And this is very important, something that can only be probably experienced when that community is in a small group setting, to be able to find somebody who has a need that you can can, uh, help. And we see this in the model of the early church. In verse 46, it's kind of subtle and it's something I, I just discovered recently in studying this that, that in verse 46 it says, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So there's two, two places that are mentioned in the scripture. The temple courts and their homes and so here is an example where god is telling us the importance of meeting in smaller groups in their homes now back in the early church when they were meeting in the temple courts it wasn't church like we're having now the temple was part of the jewish faith so for the new believers they were going to the temple because that was essentially the only place that was large enough for all of them to gather in 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 uh, as a community but they couldn't really worship as new believers because when they're in the temple the jewish folks who had not converted to christianity were still practicing their jewish faith so it was more out of habit out of custom out of out of comfort that the new believers were going to the temple And they were still seeing their families, their friends, and they were gathered there. But they couldn't practice their Christian faith. And the one thing they could not practice was communion. They couldn't celebrate the breaking of bread because that was totally not acceptable by the Jewish folks because they didn't recognize Jesus as the Messiah. So to be able to do that, they had to go and meet privately in their homes. So they went to their homes, and that's where they broke bread. And that's where they worshipped and and emphasized the need to gather in smaller groups. And that's the same truth for today, that, that small groups, that living together or having life together in a large group is a good life that leads to spiritual growth, to character growth. But it's even better when you meet in a small group. And that truth is evident for many of us who've experienced that. I've invested 30 years of my life or more in this church. That's a long time. And I can't remember a time where I haven't belonged to a small group. I've been, I have a small group of men I play basketball with. I have a small group of men I go fishing with. I have a small group that I meet regularly with my wife, Terry. There are uh, groups that I minister with. There are multiple circles that I uh, spend and invest my life in small groups. And that's kind of a question, an evaluation for you. If you're not experiencing community in your own life, Evaluate your circles of relationships. And I will tell you, if you're finding that you are fragmented, not feeling joy in life, uh, not connected, lonely, increase your small groups. The more groups you participate in, I think you will find a better life for yourself. And this is evident in a story I'm about to tell about the life of one of our members, was going through a very difficult time and season in his life some of you know him it's Will Lou. Um, ideally I would like to have him here share his story um, personally but he's doing something that is good for him he's camping this weekend with his small group with his home group with Pastor Andrew so they're out in Yosemite camping so uh, I can't have him here but in lieu of that I asked him to write down his thoughts about how small group community has made his life better. For those of you who don't know Will, Will's a, a software engineer, and he is going through a very difficult, he was going through a very difficult situation at his workplace. And Will writes this. For Will, uh, verse 44 in Acts 2 is a, 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 uh, a verse that meant a lot to him. Verse 44 says, believers were together and had all things in common. Again, that word common, which is the root of community. And the sense of community where we shared each other's burdens was a guiding principle which helped him during this very difficult season. And I'm going to read to you a letter that he writes to you all. Will says, dear church family, I would like to share a story of how I experienced a deep sense of community community during a rough period of work pressure and stress. Due to business reasons, my, my company had pressed me into working seven days a week for a period of three to four months straight. Not, unsimilar to, to my hairstylist, right? That I mentioned is working seven days a week and that eventually will break down you spiritually, not only spiritually, but also mentally, emotionally and physically, but it will Will Story, it's the same thing. He was working seven days a week for a period of three to four months. I had to take a stand and explain to my management that my Sundays are days of worship as a Christian and that I could not directly, uh, that I would not and could not comply with their request. This was so counter and directly in conflict to their expectations and to company culture. The powers to be expressed that they would allow my request. But that my Saturdays, when I did work, I would have to double up my hours. So instead of working eight hours, he would have to work 16 hours on Saturdays to make up the time he took off on Sundays. I consider myself a good hard worker, responsible and diligent, and understand how God has created work for us. But this type of situation really caused me to doubt and wonder, would I get fired for opposing this request, since I was the only Christian on my team. I became very anxious and stressed. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. The first few months were very difficult with the work pressures and the little side remarks from other team members saying that I'm the only one who didn't show up for work on Sundays. I knew that God was first and honoring God's day of worship was greater than all of these workplace situations. My anchor along with prayer and God's promises in his word during this time was the community of my home group. I remember when one member of my home group told me, Will, we will go through this together no matter how long it takes. He was caring and walking alongside me and lifting me up during this low point in my life. Another situation was when the community was in prayer for my situation. Email prayer chains with weekly updates and godly encouragements with verses and assurances of God's faithfulness were shared. Many of the families in my home group offered and took up individual Saturdays to have time spent with Debbie and my kids while I worked. This was such a great blessing of loving us as a family. The greatest blessing of community was their desire to walk alongside me and to lift me up during this season loving one another with the love of Christ. And there's kind of an epilogue, kind of a happy ending to this story, that through the prayer of his home group, through prayers of many of you in the congregation, from the staff, Will was offered a new position with another company recently. And so he'll be able to get out of that toxic work situation and have hopefully a better work situation coming in the next season for himself. But there, there is an evidence by a person in our congregation experiencing true community in a small group that for him, he testifies that it leads to, at least for him a better life. So not only is there spiritual growth and character growth that happens, um, another aspect of character growth that comes not just from this family time of having things in common where we share life together, but there is character growth when social action happens. When you see social action uh, where there are movements within a community of of, of working outside of ourselves, addressing the needs and and the social injustices outside of ourselves, that's an indicator of character growth. There is transformation happening. And we see this in this passage from Acts 2 of this model community of social action. It says in verse 45, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. So I don't know about you, being generous with our money is probably one of the last things uh, that, of character building happens in any person. A lot of us are so selfish and self-centered, it's very difficult for us to give away our money. I mean, I have non-Christian family members who can't believe that we, we sort support missionaries, that we, we donate and give to the church thousands of dollars. It, it's, it's something that is not, not uh, uh, understood by those who are not that enough of the faith. And even this morning, we asked, and we have no shame asking for support for the victims of Hurricane Harvey. And if if I trust in the faithfulness of our people, like in the past, we have given much to those who have suffered floods or earthquakes, typhoons all over the world. But generosity, the development of generosity for social action is a character issue and is something that That happens when we are in community, because through accountability, from encouragement, just modeling, that kind of change can happen. Then the second example of social action we see, I see in in these verses is in verse forty-seven, where it says, "Praising God," which is worship, but in particular the following words: "Enjoying the favor of all the people," enjoying the favor of all the people. And what do I mean by that? What does it mean to have favor? Well, the word favor means to have support, to have approval, to, and, and to, to accept others like ourselves. And that's not easy to do, to support them, to support others. And it's not just by word. It's by supporting them also in action. And that may mean selling our possessions and giving to those who are in need, to give away our money which is, as I said, a very hard thing for a lot of us to do. But that is character growth. To be able to, to do that, to show favor to someone else, indicates a transformation of our own character to be able to do that. And, and this is so important, so critical on the mission that God has given to us, to be able to give support and approval to others. Now, there's a concept that sociologists will say that we are a product of our environment, right? That there's a certain amount of how we are nurtured becomes who we are. So if we come out of a positive environment, we have a better positive self-image. If we come out of a negative environment, we'll have a negative self-image. And the way to illustrate this, if, if you grew up in a family where everybody told you you were worthless, that you were good for nothing, that you were stupid, that you're better off dead than alive, that you had no contribution to society at all, if you lived in that kind of environment where you were exploited, abused, neglected, ignored, your self-image would be in the pits. And sadly, as humans, as products of an environment, we will begin to believe those lies what others tell us who we are. But that is so counter of what Christian community is about because our God doesn't look at us like that. That God looks at us and says, you are my precious child, that you have value. I created you for a purpose. And, and, and it's that message that is so life-giving This past week, uh, Friday, uh, an organization that our church supports, my home group has adopted as our mission organization, Freely in Hope, I had an opportunity to meet uh, uh, one of their graduates, one of their scholars and survivors of sexual violence, Mary Claire. Um, This year is their seventh anniversary and they had a gala in San Francisco um, last weekend. And as part of their celebration, they brought over this woman that has uh, survived sexual violence. Her name's Mary Claire. She's a woman who grew up in Kenya. And on Friday, on a special gathering uh, that, that was arranged for us, I got to meet her and hear her story. And she grew up in a very toxic environment, in a culture that, that didn't uh, recognize the value of women, of girls, she, at a very young age, had already been sexually molested and raped. At the age of 17, unknown to her, she was uh, being shipped, ready to be shipped off to be sex trafficking in the United States to live a life of prostitution here in America. But it was a God-divine uh, intervention with Freely and Hope when, with Nicole Lim, the co-founder of Freely and Hope, had a meeting on at the begging of mary claire's mother to sponsor mary claire in our program to give her a scholarship so that she could go to a boarding school to be educated but also more importantly to be removed from her her toxic community and to enter into a more loving community and when i asked her a question on friday i asked her where was your understanding where was your place with God when you met Nicole seven years ago. And Mary Claire said, you know, she grew up in a country where 80% of the people, Kenyans, identify themselves as Christians. But in practice, they really don't live out the faith that Jesus Christ describes, where there is this kind of abuse of women. And so Mary Claire said, to be honest, at 17, having already experienced tremendous amount of suffering, being raped, prostituted, she said she couldn't believe that there could be a God. And not to blame her. How could a loving God allow that? but over four years of being removed from that community into a community that loved her and accepted her unconditionally through the love and care of Nicole and other women who had been rescued from prostitution, she learned to uh, find favor in other people. The other people had found favor in her because going through, she, she graduated number one in her class. And the affirmation and approval that she got from her teachers began to rebuild her self-esteem. Remember what I just said? The the scripture says to enjoy the favor of others. The favor, meaning the approval, the support of others, help redeem this poor girl's life. Well, she came out of an environment which said she was worth nothing and went into a community that says you are worth nothing much more than you can imagine. And it is through their words of approval, their actions of loving her, she began to heal. And that is an an example where social action through the showing of favor to others is life's transformation. And that is so attractive to others to see because now Mary Claire, seven years after that experience where she didn't believe there is a God, believes there is a God who truly loves her. And when that day, when she, that, that significant day when um, Nicole met with Mary Claire, she thought Mary Claire was a hopeless case. It would be very difficult. But she heard, Nicole heard from God, save this girl, because this girl, Mary Claire, will save others and today Mary Claire is an evangelist extreme she is passionate for God and she is now sharing her story so that other women in prostitution who have suffered sexual violence can find healing not only in Kenya but also in Barcelona and in other places in the world and she I believe yesterday, was giving a workshop to women who have been abused here in the United States. So to contrast that, seven years ago, she was coming to the United States to be a prostitute. But because of the intervention of God, seven years later, she comes to America to be able to share the good news of Jesus. And when we have something like that happening in a community, that is contagious. That is something that's very attractive to others are desperate and those people will then lead to coming to this kind of community leads to numerical growth and that's what we see here in verse 47 the lord added to their number daily those who are being saved inevitably a community that lives out these kinds of values where there's spiritual growth character growth inevitably there will be numerical growth so I want us to remember these words this week about community that, that are, comes right out of this text. I want us to remember the words, filled with all. Christian community brings that experience of being filled with all. That Christian community also means having everything in common. And Christian community also means enjoying the favor of all people. All, common, and favor. Three words to remember and reflect on this week because that is true community. Life is good together in Christian community and even better in small groups. So what is good, what is better, what is best? Well, the best is having a community with Jesus Christ, that Jesus went to the cross, so that we could have life with him. And that's what we celebrate today. In a moment, we're going to celebrate communion, the breaking of bread, just as it was modeled in the first church. Today, we will experience Jesus Christ through the bread and the the grape juice. Years ago, when Jesus was about to sacrifice himself on a cross, he had a meal with his 12 disciples. And at that meal, during their meal, he took bread, gave thanks, and he broke it. And he said, eat of this in remembrance of me. Then later, during the meal, he took a cup of wine, and he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Drink it in remembrance of me. This today is an opportunity to come celebrate what Jesus did on a cross. And it's always curious to me that Jesus re- reminds us to remember him in his death, not in his birth. And so, faithful to his command, we celebrate regularly the Lord's Supper. So prepare for this time. Uh, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son Jesus who came to give us life. That He died on a cross so that we may have eternal life. We thank you, Lord, for that the act of grace and mercy that you give to us. And may for each individual, when they come up here, may they experience all. May they experience having things in common and also to have favor, especially favor from you. So I thank you, Lord, for these things. In the most precious name of Jesus, amen. We practice here open communion, so if you have made that commitment to follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are welcome to come to the table. Take a piece of the bread, dip it in a juice, and partake of the Lord's Supper at your own convenience. So come, come in, see.